Well, good morning. Welcome to Driving Theology. This is Mike. And, uh, whew, it's kind of a difficult morning here. It's beautiful. In the uh, blue sky sort of sense, but it's really chilly. It's quite the uh, cutting wind this morning. And I had a very tossy-turvy kind of night last night. Uh, did not sleep well at all. And it may have been a little flat white I decided to have around 4 o'clock. Probably should have not done. Plus I had kind of a good nap yesterday. Probably also not a good idea. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, my youngest daughter turned 18 this week on March 1st. We had a little birthday party for her last two nights. Last night we finally gathered. There that went. Last night we finally gathered um, uh, for the first time really since we stopped gathering for COVID-19. We had dinner together, our whole group, um, which we hadn't done in quite a long time. But Tuesday night had been our uh, normal, normal day to do that, so that's what we did on Tuesday night. And I uh, had maybe, I think I counted 19, 19 people over. We had kind of a potluck. It was great. We had a lot of kids. And uh, yeah, it was a really fun time. We don't get to do it very often, but hopefully we'll start doing it every week again. I mean, it's just with people in this immediate community anyway. So I feel relatively safe about the the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, so obviously Ibaraki has come out of the emergency protocol for COVID-19 finally. I don't know if that's because specifically of number that numbers have gone down or if that's just a, you know, kind of a giving up on the whole <laughs> on the whole thing, you know, kind of Kind of dealy, but uh, regardless, yeah, we're kind of out of the emergency protocols, which is nice. Breathe a little easier. Uh, since I talked to you guys last, I got in a couple days of mountain biking, which I've been doing lately. Went to actually went to one of the old courses that I used to go to. It's a kind of an official mountain biking course uh, where they do races and whatnot here in, here in our city. That was fun. Uh, yeah, mountain biking is always fun. Um, yeah, but today trying to find a topic, I'm, I'm not sure. I was, I was halfway ready not to record it all today because I still have not posted any of my uh, recent uh, podcasts. I haven't 
uploaded them um, for various reasons, but uh, mostly because I'm lazy. Uh, got some other things on my mind, I guess. Well, what's going on with you guys? How's your how's your uh, late winter, early spring starting to uh, starting to uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, man, yeah, still haven't got my seatbelt on. It's not a good thing. How is your uh, late winter, early spring starting to shape up? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Here it's kind of been good because of the mountain biking. I think that's something that I've always wanted to do more of. It's it's sort of akin to jogging though. It's 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 not an easy thing. Like there's there's a lot of a lot of pain and, and effort and cardio involved in uh, cycling, obviously, um, especially mountain biking because there's lots of hill climbing. The fun part is going down the hills. Um, that's a lot of fun and not a little bit dangerous uh, I've got a skinned up leg to prove my point and uh, a couple of my friends have some banged up body parts as well <laughs> uh, yeah why do we do these these difficult things why are there some of us that seem to be drawn towards sports that that have a little bit of risk involved um, there seems to be a, an exhilaration that comes from uh, having having uh, challenged yourself on something that's difficult and, and a little bit dangerous, uh, and then completing it. Right? Uh, whether you get a little injured or not, there still seems to be this uh, rush that comes with it, I guess. Um, and I'm not even good at it, like. I think I would have been better at it if I was, you know, 25 years old or 20 years old. A little lighter and a little, uh, a little more ignorant. Uh, but I've had my my share of spills, and so that gives me uh, enough caution to kind of take it easy when I do mountain bike, uh, knowing that you know spills that have happened in the past can happen again. But I still enjoy it. I still enjoy getting out there. I go a little slower than I used to. Uh, I'm certainly more cautious than I used to be. And uh, the funny thing is, in mountain biking, that's not always a good thing. Because speed often equals balance, right? And if you slow down too much, if you're on a very technical downhill, uh, if you slow down too much, uh, balance becomes a bigger issue. And you can, you know, fall left or right. You you may not go over the handlebars as much, but actually that's a possibility too. So if you're going over an obstacle and you have some speed to it, then your trajectory will take you uh, in a more gentle path, in a sense, right? Uh, now the speed makes it um, treacherous in its own, you know, its own way. Uh, but a lack of speed can can take away 
uh, kind of the, the, the curve, I guess. It makes the curve greater and so your front tire can dig deeper and can, you can be propelled over the, over the handlebars. Um, that's something that definitely can't happen if you go too slow. Uh, sorry, I'm drinking. Ooh, this turned out better. Hmm. Drinking some Ethiopian Yirgacheff, which apparently I found out is a is a registered trademark of Ethiopia. They have registered their coffee names, quite a few of them. Uh, Yirgacheff, uh, Sidamo. Um, so yeah, this is a. A Yurgachev that I roasted, let's see, what's today? Today is, so I guess it's been five days now. Today's Wednesday. Oh, six days. I think I did it last Thursday. Six days ago. And it's the lightest I've done it so far. And I've really been wondering how it's going to turn out. And actually, right now, it seems to finally be coming into its own. It's definitely the best I've had it. For sure. Uh, yeah, trying to get more flavors. So something about coffee roasting. I've probably gone over this before, but you have these three curves of uh, acidity, sweetness, and bitterness that you're trying to you're trying to roast within in order to get the the best flavors of any coffee. And uh, believe it or not, you want kind of a balance of those three, oftentimes, right? A little sweetness, a little bitterness, a little acidity. Uh, you're trying to bring out all of the good flavors, um, or the good characteristics, even, of a coffee. And uh, so you you roast different ways and to different temperatures and to different uh, colors uh, in order to bring out the best character of a coffee. But then you also have aging that, that goes into it. So how long a coffee sits after it's been roasted. Uh, also uh, is a factor. Huh. I like this coffee actually. It hasn't been good up to this point, but I think right now it's starting to. Mm. Yeah. I think the uh, negative tastes that I tasted earlier in the week are starting to diminish and uh, the good tastes are starting to come forth on Sunday 5. <clears throat> How cheap is this? Cheap something limited. never seen that Jeep. 3.7L Limited Jeep. It just says Jeep. It doesn't even have a, a name on it. Jeep Jeep. I don't know what Jeep that is. 3.7 liter Limited. That's a big old engine. It's a whole liter bigger than mine. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I like SUVs. <laughs> Kind of little smallish Jeep in front of me. It's kind of cool looking, but never heard of it before. 
Well, <clears throat> disciples. I mean, you can't go wrong if we always fall back on Jesus, right? Um, had some conversations this week uh, with an old friend of mine who is done with church, more or less, uh, and has been for about seven or eight years. Uh, and I think he's probably done with God. Uh, he didn't say specifically that he's become an atheist or anything like that, but I have a feeling if I were to pry into it, that's what, what he would categorize himself as. Maybe maybe an atheist, maybe an agnostic, maybe some kind of a theist, I'm not sure, but or a deist even. But he brought up some good points, and, and we we tend to agree on a lot of what he said about the state of especially uh, evangelical churches in the, st- in, the, in the states today that they've become on Sundays kind of a show right some place you go so you can say that you went <laughs> right you check off that box kind of thing a uh, place to go and and pretend to care about other people but really gossip behind their backs and and uh, you know a, almost a, what did he use I used the term cruise ship but he used a different metaphor for what the church church seems to have become <clears throat> I can't remember sorry I'm suffering from allergies still uh, today <laughs> Uh, we'll see how we do as the day goes on. I have to take a pill here in a minute. Ugh. Take a pill, Mike. Take a pill. Uh, yeah, so... What we got down to is that, you know, and I've talked about this before, but there's church, right, today. There's Christianity I've also heard it called churchianity or, uh, you know, church, church church.com, church.org maybe is even better. Um, There's this monstrosity that we call church that really seems to be a self-serving entity, right? Something that... Exists because it needs to exist, or it exists because it's decided to exist, and it just becomes this cyclical kind of thing of people in and people out, money in and money out, uh, and it 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 seems to exist for no other reason than to exist, uh, and sometimes that seems to be the case. Now, that's not to that's not to diminish the. <clears throat> <laughs> side hustle <laughs> it's not the right word but you know the the side jobs they do they'll they'll you know um, they'll have a food bank maybe where where people can come in once in a while and get some food uh, if they meet whatever criteria that this church decides they're gonna uh, what do you call it uh, require uh, and they might you know, a missionary or two, uh, they might be um, supporting in the field. Again, if they meet 
whatever criteria makes them worthy to receive their money. And these are these are things that I think do good. They are good inherently, uh, or at least they're not bad inherently. Uh, mission work can be bad, right? Um, the idea of missions, though, is is very much part of the the gospels and the and the New Testament, and it would be hard to discount mis- mis- missions altogether. I was gonna say missionaryisms, but that's not a word. It would be it would be hard to to discount the the validity or the the value of missions altogether. Uh, but we do know that sometimes missions go awry, and they're not always positive necessarily. Um, there are bad missionaries and bad missions and, and things that don't go well. Uh, but by and large, these are good things that the church does, right? Uh, there are good things that churches do, and probably every church that exists has something that we could, we could uh, classify as a good, right? Uh, good in and of itself that a church does. But the question is: Is the is the church of the 21st century, and has the church of the last 500 years met? Uh, and lived up to the potential that Christ put into the church in the first century. Right? Have we, uh, you know, we have the numbers, right? We have, we have uh, some two billion Christians in the world, something like that. Uh, have, have we lived up to the calling of what Jesus talked about when he talked about his his gathering, his ecclesia, or his called out, right? Uh, his disciples uh, going out into the world and, and preaching and baptizing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, one of these days I should do a podcast and maybe take apart um, the uh, Great Commission, as it's called. Um, piece by piece. There's some good stuff there. I don't know. I may try that now. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But by and large, the church seems to just be more... Oh, that's what he said. It's more like a uh, country club. (laughs) It's a country club church, right? Where people uh, are members, and uh, the members love each other and hang out together and and, uh, do stuff together. Um, but that seems to be it, more or less. And that's just on the surface. Down below the surface, there's a lot of backbiting, competition, um, and innuendo, uh, gossip, and things of this nature that exist in church as well. And so it becomes really like a country club in that idea as well, right? That there's a lot of... um, classism, right? Upper class, lower class, things like this. Um, and there becomes a, a mascot, a team mascot, or a team identity, the kind of the kind of Christians that they are and look for and accept into their country club, right? Um, uh, they have uh, fund drives and um, 
Yeah. But it seems to be based on getting together and, and having this group identity uh, as opposed to fulfilling the, the mission And living up to the capacity to fulfill the mission that Christ uh, meant to instill in his church in the first century. Um, the numbers seem to be there, but the power seems to be lacking. Right? Uh, the body seems to be there, but the heart seems to be absent. Uh, and, and the evidence of this is the, the fiasco that's happened in the last... 20 or 30 years with the religious right getting in bed with the uh, GOP. Um, first century Christians would have never considered this, nor second, nor possibly third, until Augustine, or sorry, Constantine came around uh, and, and uh, nationalized Christianity into the Roman Empire, right? <laughs> Uh, but the early church fathers never would have thought to corrupt what they're doing by marrying it to a uh, political juggernaut. Um, and so Christianity as we know it today is, is horribly corrupted, whether it's Catholicism or Protestantism, it doesn't matter. Um, it, it reeks of its association with the less than savory uh, political machine, right? Uh, and that's obvious to people who uh, maybe have some kind of a real relationship with Jesus, right? Have gotten down back down to the uh, to the essence of the gospel. Um, but the gospel today, as, as how it mainly plays out in the world, is nothing like the true gospel that Jesus brought uh, and that Paul preached. Um, and people like Polycarp and or Origen and all of these early church fathers, fathers taught. Um, the church became corrupted down through the centuries. And today it's corrupted to such a point that we are blind to it, that we... We see the corruption as part of the essence of the gospel, uh, whereas in reality, uh, <clears throat> the corruption has brought it to the point of not even looking like the gospel at all. It doesn't mean doesn't mean that Christians aren't Christians, I suppose, um, because as you know, if you've listened to this podcast, I'm basically a universalist. I think I think everybody's going to bow their knee to Christ at some point and acknowledge his lordship uh, in this life or the next uh, mostly in the next um, and it doesn't help us here for that to happen but it does show the heart of Christ and that is to, to not lose even one and I think that's the, that's the story of the, the 99 sheep right is that he's willing to leave the 99 just to find the one right the 99 who are not lost uh, are as important but but by no means more important than the one who is lost <laughs> that he wants everyone in right 
Uh, and that is in stark contrast to some of the interpretation of Pauline scriptures that we get. Uh, or even, even Jesus, right? We, we get these interpretations of entering the kingdom of heaven. And we mistake the kingdom of heaven for some kind of a afterlife uh, trip to a resort town. For actually being something that, that, that can exist in this world for us here and now. The kingdom of heaven is something that Christ ushered into the earth, in, into the earth now. It is meant for us to enjoy and benefit from today. And yes, the, the path into the kingdom of God on earth, while you're still in body, bodily form, uh, is narrow, and few find it. But those who find it enter into the kingdom, and the kingdom of heaven is the reality of what the rule of Christ is on earth. That's the place where Christ's rule is 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 happening here, and there is every benefit for those who find it, uh, not just for themselves, but for the everyone around them. Sorry, I need to sip more coffee. Something about that hard night I had last night. <laughs> if you think you understand that there's a difference between going to heaven and entering into the kingdom of heaven. Think again. It's pretty deeply ingrained in us. Uh, if you think you understand it, dive into it again. Delve into it again. Right? Tear it apart. Really get in there and, and make sure uh, that your understanding uh, mirrors that understanding. That somehow going to heaven going to an ethereal, uh, you know, golden gates and clouds and, and angels with harps in the sky. Uh, if, if that's your idea of the kingdom of heaven, um, that's not the idea that Jesus had of the kingdom of heaven, right? Oh, we still got this. <clears throat> I'm going to try to take a shortcut again. Sorry, there's still road construction that I'm trying to navigate around. I'm trying to find a good way through. This happened last week too. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not sure this is the way, but this might work. Going a little distance anyway. <coughs>
about it, out ahead of it or not. May have. At least not horrible. All right. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, so entering into the kingdom of heaven is something that you you do now when you are in a place um, where you are recognizing the lordship of Christ and living by his divine life uh, and enjoying the presence of his spirit in you uh, and allowing yourself to be led by that spirit uh, and trusting and trusting and, and in the in the uh, promises of Christ that he um, he is with you through that right that's that's the kingdom of heaven and when you've entered the kingdom of heaven you'll start to see the fruits of the spirit as Paul talks about right you'll start to see uh, in your life peace and hope and faith and love and patience and endurance and long-suffering and, and all of these things that are supposed to come to us when we enter into the kingdom of heaven and then you're going to see the benefits of of the fruits of the spirit in your life uh, benefit those around you those who are the beneficiaries of your kindness and love and patience and endurance right uh, you'll begin to uh, you'll begin to see that happening and when you see that happening when you see the fruits of your of, of Christ in you you can know by no one in no uncertain terms that you have entered into the kingdom of heaven and this is this is what this is what the church is meant to be right and so if churches uh, are not displaying these fruits if these fruits are not part of your experience in your local church then you can be assured that your church even though in name it may be a church of Christ or the church of Jesus or the you know the whatever your church is called if the fruits of the spirit are not the main fruits then you can be assured that your church has not entered the kingdom of heaven that you're still living in the system of the world, the system of competition, right? Uh, the system of scarcity instead of abundance. Uh, the system of hierarchy, especially human hierarchy. And if your church is operating no differently than the local country club, uh, your church is ignorant on what it means to be in the kingdom of heaven and personally uh, I would either start to convince people first of all it's going to have to happen by your own example uh, and then secondly you know if you have a if you have a position where you can teach just start teaching this walking the simple walking in the simple footsteps of Jesus spend a lot of time in the Gospels figure out what those footsteps were how did he live how did what was his modus operandi when he was on the earth you know what what 
Um, what does it mean to have the, the, the image of God in you? Right? What does that look like? Start there and uh, you'll be in a good place. Now, it may or may not mean that, that your church accepts what you're doing. They may see what you're doing as foreign, even though it's the most Christian thing you could be doing. Um, but that's that's the game, folks. That's that's why we're here. We're we're here to bring the reality of heaven to earth, right? So that God's will will be done on earth, just as it is in heaven. Father who is in heaven, holy be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I know I mixed a few uh, translations there, so if you thought I didn't notice that, then... Uh, on earth that is it, as it is in heaven is a is something that the church has, has somehow been blind to and instead what the church has taught is that God's will is not going to be done on earth therefore God's going to destroy the earth and everybody in it and the only ones who will survive, survive are those who who, who have been uh their names have been written in the book of life, for example. And those people, depending on which denomination, are the people who have done whatever the de denomination has said is necessary to achieve salvation. Whether that's baptism, church membership, uh, taking of the sacraments, um, whatever, right? Whatever the church says you have to do, whether that's, you know, constant church attendance or you know, achieving some rank in the church or whatever. Um, but that's not what Jesus taught. That's not Jesus. That's not true Christianity. True Christianity has to come from the Christ, and the Christ said no such things. So, yeah. Um, stuff's messed up stuff has become corrupted and even the stuff that I think I know uh, there's still corruption in there somewhere that I have to be wary of and just the fact that I'm saying it means I probably bring my own corrupt ideas into it uh, there there are things that we there, there are things that we all need to aware of, be aware of and one of the things that I think one of the best tools that I've learned to kind of have uh, is to always hold my own ideas very lightly, to not take myself too seriously, to realize that what I believe today uh, could be completely wrong and I may have to change my mind tomorrow. Uh, and, and if I'm going to pridefully hold on to what I've decided is true today, that makes it very difficult to accept the truth that I find tomorrow, right? It takes away um, any, any chance of progression in my theology, and my understand of, understanding of who God is and, and, and what the divine uh, is, has meant to be doing in the world with us. 
I want to be open to all that. And so I readily admit that the things that I've talked about today, I may not agree with tomorrow. Um, and I hope I, I am hum humble enough to um, allow myself to, to go other directions, to, to see other truths, uh, to understand more deeply who Jesus is and, and, and his, uh, his calling for uh, our lives, for the life of mankind. What does that look like? Ooh, I've got to deliver coffee today. I cannot forget. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Clients, who are friends of mine that I have to deliver coffee to today, and I could have forgotten it had I not have put that in the front seat. Glad I did. So I'm going to let you guys go. I am uh, just about to get to work. Good timing today. I'm glad I'm figuring out how to get around that road construction better. Yeah, I know there's a lot of fluff today in what I talked about. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully there's something good in there um, that was worth you listening to all this time. Um, I know I, I tend to uh, come back to the same themes over and over. I'm not, I'm not unaware of that. Um, trend, uh, but there are just some things that I think that are where I need to be thinking, and hopefully every time I come back to it, I, I uh, go a little deeper, or even a little wider, um, in my understanding. I hope I'm able to do that. Alright, well thank you guys for listening so much. Talk to you later. Bye.